All right. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? The 84th installment of the Unplugged Alpha podcast. Just kind of building on what I did with the book and what's coming out of it after that. So you guys wanted me to talk more about money, how to make money, what money is, how to invest it. So notes here on tonight's topic, and we'll be doing some Q&A, open Q&A as we always do. It's open to everybody and anyone that wants to call in and ask a question. Might as well get right into this. Um, so how should I start? I mean, obviously the standard blah, blah, blah. I'm not providing invest investment advice. Do your own due diligence, hire a licensed professional, blah, 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 all that stuff. This is just some of the experiences that I've had and what I've learned over the years. And I know that, you know, investing money is new to a lot of people. And they don't know who to listen to. Maybe I should start by saying this. Don't listen to anybody that's selling you something. Um, investment clubs, buy my penny stock, my um, whatever, crypto that I'm pumping. <laughs> I get these DMs and emails all the time. Hey, help us promote this new crypto. You can make a lot of money. And blah. There's 20,000 of those things out there and you know, nine, 19,998 of them are probably shit, maybe even more. Anyway, so... <clears throat> Let's get into some of the uh, notes that I've got over here because I got a full page I want to rip through. They're in no particular order. Some of these are things that you want to do. Other things are just ideas and notions that you want to stay away from, um, which I apply for the most part to what I'm doing with my investing. I haven't, I haven't made a vast fortune investing money. I think I've probably made a lot more money um, running businesses and in crypto. And there's a few investments that I've made some good money off of, but Generally speaking, I think where most people's heads go is what stocks do I avoid, uh, avoid? Which ones do I pick? How do I invest? How much to invest? Time frames. So I wanted to sort of like put all these notes together to sort of identify what I thought would be the most useful information in uh, getting your head squared away around this sort of stuff. So first note I have here is knowing your time horizon. If you're 75 your investment strategies will be different than if you're 25. You get a lot more runway ahead of you when you're a young man, okay? Um, knowing your time horizon is going to, it should, not everybody does, but it should play a significant role in how you invest money, what you invest in, how you invest in it, and the level of risk that you're willing to take. And because the market's generally going up over time, it's not a straight line. It's doing this as it's going up. Sometimes it's doing shit like this, but it it goes sideways and there's things that are not predictable. <laughs> Nobody could have predicted, well, with the exception of a handful of people that were obvious insiders in hindsight that we know about, but nobody could have predicted the scamdemic of 2019 that they, that they pulled on us. Um, so... There's certain things that will that will fall in fall in your way, but knowing your time horizon will play a role. You can take riskier bets when you're younger. You're going to take higher yield bets when you're younger. There's a reason why old people mostly don't touch crypto because it's a longer term time horizon. One and two, they don't really understand it. So there's a lot of, lots of things to contemplate when it comes to your to your time horizon. But generally, I think general some good advice, some generally good advice is take bigger bets when you're younger. You can screw up and in two years be back exactly where you were. In 10 years, you know, 
the sky's the limit, you know, essentially for time horizons. But whenever somebody's talking to me about things like, oh, Bitcoin, and I, I just don't see it. It's just too volatile, Rich. You know, it's like, well, if you're in and out, if you're an in and out sort of person or you watch it do this in circles and up and down, especially over the last year, it's been all over the place. Um, yeah, it's going to look scary. But my take is if you're not going to hold it for four or five to 10 years, what's the point in touching stuff like that? So again, if you've got the time, invest in something that's longer term place. So there's that. Uh, there's a hell of a lot more than just stocks and bonds. Everybody always goes right to stocks and bonds. What's a good stock? What's a good bond? Do I put this percentage into that? And the other thing, look, between the stock market, which let's be honest, has got some play in it, some slippage. It's got some um, interference, you know, if you will, with certain powers that be. There's things that are a little more resilient to that. Bitcoin, for example, you can't really control it. Um it's going to do what it's going to do as long as people participate in that economy. Real estate, there's that. There's cars. Um, you guys know that I'm a big car fan. If you followed me for a while through my Entrepreneurs and Cars channel. Um, I watched a video the other day, Doug DeMiro, Captain uh, Quirks and Features. One of my favorite <laughs> channels to watch still. And he was going through the DuPont registry that they um, pumped out 2008 and nine during the last major financial crisis. And they were taking a look at what certain low production um desirable exotic cars were selling for um you know just over a decade ago and some examples that sort of pop out in my mind there was um gt40 ford gt40 uh you know 2004 2005 model could have bought it for 108,000. uh you can't buy one a nice one now for less than half a million dollars usd um there was carrera gts that were for sale in 2008 2009 um, a few hundred thousand dollars. You can't buy one for less than a couple million now. So it, like look beyond just stocks and bonds and it doesn't have to be, you know, a $300,000 career GT that, you know, is worth over a million dollars. Now you can find certain plays and bargains in low production, high desirability, cheaper type of cars, even motorcycles, you know, if you will, there's, there's, there's a certain motorcycle that I have my eye, my eye on. I'm not going to mention which one it is because I don't want to express too much interest, but there's a certain motorcycle that I have my eye on that I think will be valuable and I have a connection to it. So there's certain things that you can invest in that will go up in value over time. Watches too. You know, some people love watches. I'm not a big watch person. I've got some nice watches. It's funny, like all the nice watches I have, you know, were gifted to me. I never really bought watches, but I'm just not a watch person. I like cars, cars and motorcycles, boats, planes, you know, stuff like that. So you don't have to invest just in the stock market. So diversify your ability to play in certain areas. There's, there's some people I know that play specifically just with high value watches, you know, watches can make you a lot of money. So look for other opportunities other than just stocks and bonds is basically what I'm saying with that point. Um, if you're, if you're going to be dealing with stocks, Look, I've I've played with the penny stocks and my and one of my other notes is avoid penny stocks. I know that there's a significant amount of attraction to penny stocks. I've never made money in them. In fact, they've almost always gone bankrupt on me. Um, you know, their value has either been eroded, erased, they screwed up, they never went anywhere. Um, of course, every stock probably started out with a low market value, not always a penny stock. I mean, there's some IPOs that come out 
initial public offerings um, where they're not pennies, obviously. They're they're in the dollar or multiple dollar ranges or even higher than that. But penny stocks uh, do get pushed a lot because if you buy something for two cents and it goes to six cents, oh, wow, I've just tripled my money. It's so easy for something to move from two cents to six cents. Seems attractive. But the reality of is of it is that it rarely happens. There's always guys out there that have programs to sell in the penny stock area. And I don't pay a lot of attention to them on one hand, but on the other hand, the attention that I have paid to them, I haven't seen anything along the lines of, okay, here's an actual screenshot of me buying this penny stock for two cents with a transaction, you know, on your whatever uh, trading account officially. And here's me selling it later on for this amount. I just haven't seen those. Um, I'm sure there's people that have made some money off it, but it's very, very high risk. So if you're going to be dealing with stuff like that, you better, you better know what you're dealing with. And you probably want to figure that out early on in your life in your twenties, because you're probably going to lose a lot of that money. Um, so back to the statement of large cap, something, a company that has a market capitalization of around five to $10 billion is usually not going to go anywhere unless it's run by a complete bunch of morons in an industry that's dying. Um, large cap businesses that aren't going to go anywhere that I've invested in. Um, there's a company that, uh, oh, what is it called? Otomix or Atomics? I can't remember how to pronounce it, but um, there was a, a parent company that owned Pratt and & Whitney and an elevator company. Um, large, large growth opportunities that come out of military conflict, out of building the economy. Because when you build skyscrapers, you need elevators and all of these things. So contracts come out for them and they, they need maintenance as you build more and more of these. Um, so if you're in an economy that's growing, where they're building a ton of skyscrapers, there's probably lots of opportunities to look for raw material suppliers, people that build elevators, that maintain elevators, things like that. Large cap companies out there that exist, that pay nice dividends, uh, that have been around for a while, that show steady growth over time are good opportunities and generally safer. I'll put it that way. Now, I'm not getting into the weeds here with this sort of stuff. These are just some general ideas and some concepts that I've learned that I'm, that I'm bringing you up to altitude on. If you want to learn about stuff like this, um, lots of good books on it. I'd say if you haven't read Economics in One Lesson, uh, Henry Hazlitt, I think, is the author. Um, very simple, very straightforward, covers multiple areas from things like minimum wage to economic conditions and everything like that. And it's not long. Um, very, very standardized sort of stuff is a good starting point. Ray, Ray Dalio, if you can find anything from Charlie Munger, even though he hates crypto and is a bit of a dipshit in that area, but he understands stock investing. Um, Warren Buffett, of course. So guys that have a proven track record that are old, not just salt and pepper, but are like completely gray at this point. And the autumn years of their life that have spent their entire lifetime investing, I think is probably a good place to get into the weeds for stuff like that. Um, what other notes do I have here? Value stocks. So Charlie Munger's talked a lot about his strategy around value stocks. Uh, which are generally reflected in a low price, low price to an earnings ratio. Um, trying to give you some examples of stuff that I've done in that. I think it's. Let me just pull it up real quick on my other screen here.
joy of doing these things live. Nope, that's not it. X. They might have sold the company or restructured it because that does happen. You know, an interesting piece of um, stat that I came across a few years ago when they first started to put out these fortune lists of like the biggest companies with the largest market caps. Um, it's been quite a few decades now. I think it's been well over seven decades at least. Um, the number of companies that still exist today from the original decade when they started putting out that list is very, very small. I think it's less than uh, 12 or 13%. It's very low. Most companies either get acquired, they go to business, they merge. Um, some do, some come off, you know, public ledgers, so they, so they go private. But for the most part, they don't really last for very long. That's it. United Technologies is one that I wanted to pull up. UTX is the um, uh, is the actual stock symbol. Um, companies like that in opportune markets, that that company was a value stock. Um, let me pull up the chart here. UTX chart. Let's see if it goes back twenty years. That was a value stock just after nine eleven. Um, just trying to you know pull it out of the uh, UTX chart. Why isn't it coming up? So it's a conglomerate conglomerate of a whole bunch of companies under it. Jet Engines, Pratt & Whitney, uh, Otomix, the, um, or Atomics or whatever it's pronounced, the uh, elevator company. Uh, what is the UTX stock now? It's still, it's still not coming up. UTX, why isn't it coming up? Come on, work with me here, Google. Here we go. So if I go to the max, let's see if it goes back to 2002. Yeah. So around 30 bucks is what I paid for it. And I think when I got out of it, it was around the $70 mark. Had a nice dividend yield. It was well diversified in a lot of industries. Um, aerospace, defense. Let's see the list of companies here. Subsidiaries they even have subsidiaries built within it. Uh, $67 billion in revenue on an annual basis. 182,000 employees in an industry that's always going to need people and is always going to grow over time as the economy expands, which it does. It just, it just, you know, like I said, the economy, everything's growing over time, right? So those are, those are the sorts of large cap value stocks that you can do well and make quite a bit of money in. What's it at today? $103. Well, look, you know, the PE ratio is, is still reasonably strong with that too. It's actually not, not a bad one, and it's probably worth looking at. But anyway, we're going to keep moving on. Value stocks, talked about that. Oh, um, employer. A lot of people don't take advantage of this within companies. I know that when I used to deal with large corps when I was an employee back in my 20s, um, they still offer these today. But the employer matchups or top-ups or whatever it is that you want to call them, where you can, you can take a certain amount off your paycheck, and then the employer will match up to a certain percentage of that for free. It's free money. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? If you're living paycheck to paycheck and things are exceptionally tight in your household, you haven't managed your money properly or you've mismanaged or you've made some bad choices or thing or some bad luck has come your way, I can understand why you may want to avoid that. 
but why would you not take advantage of free money an employer is willing to put into your retirement or investment account, usually tax-free, if if it's structured properly or complies with government guidelines, depending on where you live, for example. But these employer top-ups or match-ups, whatever you want to call them, you should be maxing out on them. When I was an employee at the time, I was surprised at how few of my colleagues would take advantage of the opportunity to get free money from your employer, which goes into a reasonable investment portfolio. And again, if you're if you're younger, if you're in your 20s and you're only putting putting away a couple bucks, the employer tops up a couple bucks, uh, you know, per pay cycle, maybe 50, maybe 100, maybe a few hundred. I don't know, but if you put it in something that's got strong growth and you're in your 20s and you're at it for five, six years, you could end up with a nice starting point. And that follows you, you know, wherever you go, you take it with you, right? Because it's in your name. It's not, it's not the company's money. The company is giving it to you as a benefit of being an employee with that company. So take advantage, take full advantage of any employer matchups, top ups, which actually brings me to another point that I have over here is if you have the opportunity to live in a country that has favorable tax laws for investing, certainly make that change if you can't. If you can't, Countries, even even countries like Canada, which which are highly taxed, very socialized, um, like the, like the top tax rate on your income here is like fifty four percent. I was talking to Jewel earlier today on my other channel on the uh, Plain to Win podcast, and I know living in Dubai, you don't pay any um, income tax. Um, these places change slightly over time. Maybe they get worse. Maybe they might pull back on some of the freebies sort of things. But if you have opportunities like here in Canada, it's RRSP, it's your Registered Retirement Savings Plan, and you can generally contribute up to about 20, I don't know what the exact number is, but something like twenty-four dollars to $26,000 a year tax-free. So that lowers your taxable income bracket into that um, savings vehicle. And when you technically retire, which I don't ever intend to do, but when you reach the age of retirement, you can access that money tax-free. There's other, there's other things you can do with your RSP plan as well too. If you want to buy a house, you can take that money from your RSP that you've saved over the last several years and apply it as a down payment towards your house. And all you have to do is just pay it back over a certain period of time, which is generally reasonable. Um, so, th- so it has other benefits. The, the tax-free savings account is another savings vehicle. Again, I'm baffled as to why people don't take advantage of this. It's been around for quite a while now. Even if you put the maximum amount, which is something like it's it's waffled between $4,500 and like $6,500 Per year depending on who the government is but even if you put in the bare minimum at the bullshit interest rate you'd have well over fifty thousand dollars if you started doing it from day one i know people with tax-free savings accounts that are six and i know one guy with a seven-figure account because he managed to invest the money very very well and it's all tax-free money and you don't have to wait till retirement so you can put it in the tfsa you're like oh fuck, I got a hundred grand. I want to go buy something or I want to put a pool in my backyard. Fine. You can go and do the hardscaping and all that stuff. There's different ways to sort of leverage it, but using tax-free savings opportunities within the country that you're in, they're going to offer them. You should take advantage of them. Even if it's in a shit place like Canada, take advantage of them. Um, Time in the market is better than timing the market. Although if you can do both, awesome. Um, That's why I say start young. Get in the market early and make sure you're leveraging and rebalancing opportunities. I mean, people do this all the time in crypto. They'll go buy some top 50 shit coin. It'll 100x during a bull run. 
as it's 100x, then they convert it over to Bitcoin or a stable coin and they keep playing these arbitrage games back and forth, um, spending some time in the market. If you can time the market as well, because you really know what you're doing, because you buy in opportunities when the market corrects, that's great too. Um, predicting strong opportunities isn't always the easiest thing to do. Some people are very, very good at this. I'm not particularly good at it, but let's use an example recently with the 2019 scandemic. They shut down all the stores, the restaurants. And, you know, the best that you could do is generally go and do pickup for food and they force you to wear face diapers and stand on dots. And a lot of people were also, uh, forced uh, experimental jabs during that period of time. But the one thing that was consistent as far as always being open, and I remember sitting here at my desk because my desk has a big window in front of it. There were courier trucks, not even daily, but almost hourly, pulling up and down the street, dropping shit off people's houses. Do you know how much money Amazon and Walmart online shopping and all these online places made because people couldn't go to stores anymore they had to buy shit online right so seeing that as an investment opportunity would have done well for yourself let me just quickly check the amazon chart i didn't i didn't buy any of it but let's just see what that did let's, let's go five-year chart yeah 20 so if you if you held amazon in 2019 you'd be around the 80 dollars mark then the scandemic hit and for the two years following that, the Amazon stock peaked around just under 200 bucks, right? So it would have been an easy play if you saw that as an opportunity. So seeing some predictable moves in the market. So another one that um, I was talking to George Gammon about, and I like to have him on a couple times a year because, uh, you know, he's got some of the few, few videos that I like to watch. And I like him as a guy and the way that he sort of like cooks up ideas but they have this notion that we need more electricity because stuff like fossil fuels is bad it's bad for the environment there's some degree of truth to that there's ways to mitigate that but at the end of the day the truth of the matter is we know that the trend is to more electricity they want more electrical cars on the road they want to ban the sale of internal combustion engines by 2035 in most countries now or this is at least where they're heading um so how are you going to recharge all of these things? You need more power in the grid. And there's really not that much power in the grid. Even right now, when they're talking over the last year or two in California, oh, you should stop buying internal, internal combustion engine cars. You should buy electrical cars. And they started selling more of the electrical cars. And then they started complaining to people that they didn't have enough power in the grid. And could you please not charge your car up during certain times of the day or whatever? So it's like there's clearly an issue with infrastructure having enough electricity. The only place you're going to get it from, it's not going to be windmill turbines. It's not going to be solar cells because they're inefficient. You can still get electricity way cheaper from coal or, or biomass. And biomass is even environmentally friendly. That's a big lie. It's going to be nuclear, right? So, you know, Gammon's talked about this before. Uh, stocks that play in that field are going to be great opportunities. So take it for what it's worth. Um, matchups. Definitely don't listen to poor people. I'll put that down because there's people that <laughs> funny story. Well, it's not a funny story because it cost me a lot of money, but a friend of mine worked at an investment house that I had recently opened up an account in. And to my Canadian viewers that are watching right now, they probably remember Nortel, Northern Telecom. And some of the 
American viewers probably know about Nortel as well, because it was a big name here at the time, along with BlackBerry and a few others. Hey, Rich, my phone rings. Hey, Rich, Joe, what's up, buddy? Did you buy a whole bunch of Nortel stock today like a good little boy? Because it's on sale right now for something like whatever percentage off. Well, it went all the way south into the toilet, right? Um, I wouldn't recommend listening to friends that don't have a lot of money. If you have friends that have made some wise investment purchases in the past, they're probably worth listening to. Um, but don't pay any, pay any attention to young friends of yours that are offering advice, especially if they're offering advice in things that they hold or if they put their entire nest egg in something that they've held because they've got, they've got vested interest in broadcasting for other people to buy into that, if you know what I'm saying. Buy businesses, not stocks. That's an old saying. You're not buying numbers on a screen. You're buying a business. Take a look at the business. Who runs a business? What do they sell? Do you agree with what they sell? Uh, is infrastructure, state involvement going to encourage more of that in the future? You see what I'm saying? Like you have to take a look at the business. You're not just looking at the stock. Look at the company. Look up what's going on and understand it if stocks are your thing, right? Uh, long plays are always good, which kind of ties back into large cap companies, right? They've been around. They're going to be around for a while. They have like companies right now that are doing real well are going to be electric cars. Tesla's done well. Um, there's, there's a bunch of other ones that are up and comers. Uh, Neo, I think is one. I hold that, uh, BYD, Build Your Dream, another ch uh, Chinese company. There's a whole bunch of opportunities for electric cars. You don't have to be a fan of them, but if that is, like, I'm not a fan of electric cars, obviously. I've driven a few. Yes, they're super fast, zero torque, or sorry, 100% of torque from zero RPM. Lots of benefits. They're technically cheaper to run than gas-powered cars. It's just, I find them soulless, and I don't really like them as much as gas-powered cars. That's just me. I just think there's always going to be a market for that. Speaking of markets for gas-powered cars, there's a company that Porsche just bought or invested heavily in out of Chile that can make carbon neutral fuel. They basically extract the raw ingredients from water and from thin air and whatever carbon that ends up in the atmosphere was already re removed from the environment and it's going back into the environment. So they're investing in this because they have a lot of high performance car fans that like their 911s and they want to make sure these cars will be running on the road. Let's be honest, 911s are like wood burning stoves. They never break down. So they need to invest in technology that's going to allow people to continue driving their cars. This is, this is great stuff. This is great news, right? So personally, I think that there's a lot of investment opportunities in internal combustion engine cars that they're no longer going to manufacture, that there's still going to be a demand for because they make cool sounds and they make you feel good when you drive them. As much as people like electric cars, they're soulless turds compared to high-performance internal combustion engines. They just are. And they're never going to be able to replace that raw feeling of uh, explosions happening inside a metal case that shoots flames out the back in some cars, if you know what I'm saying. Um, stocks, businesses, we talked about Munger. Oh, that was an interesting note that I made about Munger. So Charlie Munger, what are the risks? risk assessments that he that he looks at when he's buying a stock and he's one of these guys that's a long-term play so if it's a company that's not going to be around in, in 10 years doesn't look at it you have to evaluate how a stock can perform in a worst case scenario when you're evaluating it so a recent worst case scenario that i think everybody should consider 
especially for long-term plays over the next five to 10 years, because you know they're going to pull this scandemic shit again. Whether it's going to be another virus or not, or it's going to be climate lockdowns or some version of that, where they're going to modify or control your ability to maneuver, travel, leave your house, whatever it happens to be. How is a company going to perform in, in that sort of environment? Personally, I would stay away from restaurant stocks um, that rely heavily on people going down and sitting down and eating. Um, you want got, you want stocks that are more anti-fragile if th that's the environment that you're going to invest in when it comes to sort of lockdown things, right? So I wouldn't invest in a company that owns a chain of gyms, for example, across North America, because gyms get shut down in scenarios like that. Lockdowns, climate lockdowns, uh, virus lockdowns, you know that they're going to pull it again, right? So does it can it perform well in a worst case scenario? Will it perform well in a war, for example? Uh, UTX, United Technologies, I think they own Pratt & Whitney. Um, I don't know if they still do or not, but they did at the time when I held it. Um, they need jet engines for performance jets and drones and you know things like that. So th those are all things to consider is how does it perform in a worst case scenario when the economy goes to shit, if there's a large scale war, if China wants to invade Taiwan and the US is going to get involved with that, which by the way, looks like it's going to be happening. The other thing that you want to take, take a look at as well is subscribe to some feeds or some news or some blogs or some YouTube channels or something that keeps you up to date on what's happening. Uh, I heard in a recent announcement that Warren Buffett just sold a large stake and an interest in a semiconductor company that's tied into Taiwan. Well, why would you do that? Well, do you know something that's potentially going to happen very soon, like maybe China in, invading Taiwan? It's a strong possibility, right? So, you know, you hedge your risks, you know, in that sense. Um, another note I have here. What are we at? 30 minute mark. Not bad. We covered a lot. Um, do not give it up in a freaking divorce. Um, it is hard to make money. Look, I know lots of guys that have made lots and lots of money, uh, seven, eight figures worth. Like, you know, if you're worth $40 million and you get divorced and you have to give her $20 million, you still got $20 million. You're still a multimillionaire. Okay. Most of these guys don't really care that much because they can make the money back. They can never make the time back. But if you're a guy that's, you know, you're plugged into a job, you've topped up your contributions, you may be worth a couple million dollars, two, three, four million dollars or something like that. And you spend a lifetime doing that. And you're all of a sudden now thinking about getting married because a nice girl touched your PP and it's time for you to have kids sort of thing. And you're now going to expose your wealth to it. It's going to be harder for you to fix that. Those are the guys that usually get destroyed. So you have to be very, very careful when it comes to exposing your net worth to unnecessary risks in life so just be careful with that just be knowledgeable about it understand how if you're going to live with a woman a cohabitation agreement's a good idea if you're going to get married a prenuptial agreement does it does it hold any water uh talk to your family lawyer you know where you're going to consider doing these things because there's prenups there's post-ups there's the idea that these nuptial agreements lose value over time is she going to be a stay-at-home mom because if you're going to keep her home and raise kids then you're definitely not going to have any use for a prenup aside for toilet paper, right? Because it has no value if she stayed home and she's abandoned her career. These are all things that I've talked about before. I'm not going to break down in depth. You can go look at older videos and certainly talk to a family lawyer if you're going to invite the state into your house and your life, because that's essentially what happens. Um, definitely watch out for the too good to be true stuff and things that you don't understand. 
So if it sounds like it's too good to be true or you don't understand it, don't invest in it. I, I got involved with a friend's um, fund, I don't know, 10, 10 years or so ago. And there's a lot of people that invested in it that didn't understand it. Loan to value is a simple equation when it comes to real estate. So it's essentially a real estate fund. And if your loan amount gets too close to the value of the property, and values of properties go up and down, by the way. I think we know this by now if you've lived around for a while. If the loan to value gets excessive, anything more than 75% in my estimation is, is starting to push into risky territory. If you have a, a, a property, we'll use a million bucks. If you have a property worth a million bucks and the loan on the property is $750,000, it's 75% loan to value. And a lot of people got interested in this real estate investment opportunity because the yields were pretty good, um, anywhere from 8 to 15%, which is pretty good, really good, actually. Uh, but they started to take more risk when they were putting the investments together for the developments, for the, for the properties that were going up as collateral. And the markets were already super hot at that time. So... I stopped investing. I got my money out. Uh, I made some good money at the time. I saw the risk exposure getting too high, but other people didn't. They either got greedy or they got lazy. One of the two. And they and they weren't paying attention to it and they lost a lot of money. So, um, you know, when the economy corrects and or something happens with the fund because it's not structured properly because it's a new company, it's set up by a bunch of bozos and something can go sideways or somebody, you know, can, can do something to it which could jeopardize the trajectory of it. Hey, man. Again, if it's if it looks too good to be true and it's stuff that you don't understand, then don't get involved in it. Those are the main points that I wanted to cover. I didn't want to have this have this talk with you guys along the lines of do A, B, and C, and then you'll get D, or one plus one equals two. That's all basic shit that you can really sort of figure out once you start reading general investment books. But the point that I'm making is invest, but don't. I mean, how can I wrap this up and sort of summarize it? Invest, but just don't get to the point where you're just invested. You're going to die one day and you have to enjoy life. And if you have hobbies that you like to enjoy, that could be cottaging, it could be hiking, it could be cars, whatever it happens to be, have some fun with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to grab the invite link. Uh, I'll grab these super chats in a second. Let me just grab the invite link and copy and paste it here. So if you guys want to call in and ask a question, uh, call in for Q&A. That link is now going to be live in the YouTube StreamYard link. Make, make sure you call in with a good connection. And I'll pin that to the top. So that's there in the chat now. Let me get these super chats here that popped up while I was talking. Matt says, are you worried about the Great Reset and CBDC? So the Great Reset's been talked about now for several years they were talking about it during the klaus schwab scamdemic of 2019 and it, it sort of went on for a few years a lot of people been talking about it there is going to be some bad shit happening with the financial markets they've been saying it for years there's just too many things that are happening all at the same point right now that it seems clear to me that the markets will go for another correction anyway. I mean, one of the indicators that I was talking to Gammon about, and he did the research on this, and basically every time interest rates go up and up and up, 
and then they have to start pulling them back and they drop them. The markets have dropped every single time that they've done that. I think it's been something like 12 out of 13 times that they've done it over, over the last uh, sequence of decades that they've, that they've collected the data and they've tracked it. So interest rates have been going up and at some point they have to go down. And when interest rates go down, the economy is generally collected, sorry, corrected 12 out of 13 times. And all the conditions exist where it should correct again. So um, if you're looking for value opportunities to buy in, yeah. But the CBDC thing, which is central bank digital currency, which is essentially the government's going, well, we can't bit, beat Bitcoin. So let's create our own central bank digital currency, move away from paper money and put it all on the blockchain. And guess what? That now becomes programmable money. CBDCs are programmable money. If the government wants to issue more CBDC, they just push a button and it goes out. There's no money printer. It's just numbers on a screen now at this point. And because they can program it, they can make the money disappear after a week. They can prevent you from spending it. If you've exceeded, let's say something like carbon credits, you eat too much steak and they don't want you to eat steak anymore because they feel like it's hurting the environment. Then you might at one point with CBDCs, when you go to the grocery store, find out that you can't check out with that ribeye or whatever, and you're going to hand you a bag of crickets at the checkout and say, sorry about this, sir, but you can't have this protein because you've extended your carbon credits, but here's a bag of crickets now, right? And you can get your protein from there. So are CBDCs coming? They're absolutely coming. I mean, they're here right now. Go watch some of Gammon's videos and you'll see them. They're talking about it, right? Uh, do you think people exaggerate? Uh, the worries that surround them is still possible to get rich afterwards. I don't think that the risk of CBDCs is exaggerated. It is a risk. And if you want to hedge against it, you need to opt into another digital currency, i.e. like Bitcoin, right? Um, it's permissionless. The government can't print it off. It's uh, like it's got nothing but upside to it as far as I'm concerned. And if you're not use, not acquiring Satoshis or Bitcoins at this point in the game, why aren't you? Go and educate yourself on the value of them so you understand them better. Sam says, hey, Rich, if they can freeze assets of wealthy individuals now, how bad will things get when centralized digital currencies become an industry standard? Okay, so Matt's talked about this. We got, we're turning the show into the CBDC show, right? If they can freeze assets of wealthy individuals now, how bad will things get? Look, if they can... I don't want the government in my fucking pockets. I don't want them in my life. I don't want them in my love life. I don't want them getting involved in anything. But here we are. This is this is the world that we live in. This is what our neighbors, our forefathers have voted for. They voted for government control, and this is where we're at. How things, how bad will things get? They can get pretty bad when they can control your money. And this is where they're going. They're not people that think the government is their friend are naive and stupid. Okay. I'm just going to say it. If you want to opt out of what they're going to be doing, then acquire assets that they can't take. If you have, I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a ledger. This is just my um, USB stick, USB stick that I put my SD cards in to send my raw footage to my editor. Um, but let's say this is a ledger. You can put half. You can put twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin on this, or you can put a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin on this. It doesn't change in size, nothing. You put it in your pocket, you can hop on a flight and fly away and take a billion dollars worth of value in your pocket and nobody can do shit. You don't need anybody's permission to take it with you and go where you want. That's the beauty of a digital asset like Bitcoin. 
You don't even need this at the end of the day. If you can remember 16 words in your head, okay, you don't even need that piece of hardware. You just have to remember the words. So you can go to another computer anywhere else in the world, type in your keyword phrases, and you can access, you know, your wallet that way. There's um, there's a story that I came across, I think it was 2017, 2018 or, or something like that. There was a guy that was, he was a criminal and, you know, he managed to acquire a lot of Bitcoin. And one of the deals that they tried to offer him to get a lesser jail sentence was just give us the keys and we'll lessen your sentence. I don't know what his sentence was, 8, 10, 20 years, whatever it happened to be, but he said, no, I'm not giving it to you. Fuck you. So he's doing his time. And when he gets out, whatever number of Bitcoin that he had valued in 2017 looks like the way the trajectory is going will be worth a fucking vast fortune when he gets out. And if you've already put in your time, they can't do anything about it. They can't convict you again. They can't steal it from you. He owns those 16 words in his head, right? So, you know, if you want to be become sovereign, if you want control of your assets and you need to acquire assets that they can't take from you, watches, I mean, gold, some people like, you know, physical commodities like gold, but I personally think that digital currencies like Bitcoin are a far better use and a far better way to store that value. Um, KD, and I'll get to the Collins in just a sec, guys. Um, Sam and Matt, I see your points. I retired from government and my money is locked, so no input uh, to my new private employer plans, buying hard assets and other, yeah. Sam says again, was Rich Cooper's need for speed influenced by Irwin Cannonball Baker? No, but I did watch the Cannonball movies. I don't even know who Irwin Baker is. Anyway, um, let me just run the ad sequence and we'll get to the call-ins again. If you guys want to call in and ask a question, uh, link for Q&A is pinned at the top of the live chat. Uh, please click it and hop in the waiting area. We'll get to you guys. We'll answer as many questions as we can. So Oh man, let me run this ad insert and we'll get to the Q&A second in about a minute and a half. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplements and Grondike Soap Company. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha Supplements. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure that you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients. And unlike cheaper supplements from China in plastic bottles, mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is in an easily digestible, bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. Then I use tactical soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and the beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Go visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Guys, check out my website at richcooper.ca for more information on booking me for coaching, my community, my courses, and a whole bunch more. You can also find all the useful links pinned below in the top YouTube comment of all my videos. Now let's get on with the show. 
All right, and we're back. Let's get into the Q and A. Um, Jake left a hilarious comment here. Governments are clearly great and efficient at running things, so just hand your money over. That's what the vast majority of people will end up doing, man. They just they just trust Big Daddy State, and it's just the way it is. Um, all right, so we got a bunch of people waiting to ask some questions here. Let's give it to uh, M first and see what we got here. M, how you doing? Good afternoon. How are you? Good. What can I do for you tonight? Um, so, um, sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've actually never like called anything like this, but um, I appreciate your um, your YouTube channel. Um, I've learned quite a bit actually on the situations that are happening out there when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of gotten a sense of both, you know, women behavior and what's going on out there with men as well. So my question to you is, um, I've never been married, um, never been engaged, and I don't have any children. Um, I've had three very long relationships, and um, I come from a very conservative uh, background. My mom, a lot of you know, women in my family are married with children, great mm -hmm. women, and I want to sort of follow that sort of tradition. Mm -hmm. um, however, I feel that my age is um, kind of working against me, mm -hmm. and I'm not really sure what to do at this point. Okay. And then how old are you? Let's start with that. Um, I'm 39. So you're 30? 30... 39. 39, and okay. I, yeah. And um, one issue that I'm having um, is that I attract a lot of younger guys because I actually look very young, um, much younger than what I am. And uh, then, you know, when I'm out dating or wanting to date, I get a lot of uh, experience, a lot of men that have gone through divorce and are very hurt, have not done the inner work to kind of get past that. And it's just been very challenging for me. So mm. do you have any kids? Uh, I'm not, I do not know. And you want to have kids? I would love to. Absolutely would love to. Yes. So what happened to the three long-term relationships? Why didn't those turn into something? So I um, didn't date at all when I was in high school or in college. Um, I My first boyfriend was actually at 21. And I was with him for almost five years. Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, not a very good relationship. So that ended. And then afterwards, I um, decided that I wanted to kind of do humanitarian missions. And, you know, I'm in a dental world. So that's my background. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did some work um, in Cambodia, came back to the States and I moved from my hometown to California. So here it's totally different than where I grew up at. And um, it's just been extremely challenging actually finding um, people that have sort of the same values and sort of want to follow, um, you know, a traditional, you know, future with me. And so I'm also very afraid of uh, relationships because of, the amount of uh, personal development that I've done. Um, so I'm very aware of like the divorce and the things that are, that kind of go on and, and, you know, going through a divorce. So I'm actually quite 
scared of that as well. So I'm scared of getting into a relationship that leads into a marriage and then goes through a divorce. Um, I, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm just kind of in a, in a situation where I'm just not really sure what to do at this okay. point. So, sorry, I mean, your first boyfriend, you said was at 21 for five yeah. years, then you did like humanitarian mission stuff. How long did that last for? Um, like the volunteer work or so? Yeah, the volunteer years. Like, was um, that a, a year or was two, that? I would say two years, two or okay. three years. Okay, so we're putting you around 27, 28, 29 now. So what happened to the other two long-term relationships a, after that? Yeah, so then I had a three-and-a-half-year um, relationship after that. That's That was around 32, 33. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, the issue with him was that he was very irresponsible with um, with money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of debt and continue to accumulate debt. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have any debt. Um mm -hmm. And so it was very concerning for me to like have a relationship with someone to raise a yeah. family that was like that. No, of course um, you need a guy that's got his, his life sorted. So at 33, so that lasted th three and a half years. And then after that, yeah. what happened to the next guy? Um, then it was a one year relationship of a guy that kind of promised me a ring and, you know, wanted to, you know, move forward with me. But then I found out that he was actually in another relationship with another woman in another state. So that one was very traumatizing for me, and I haven't dated since then. Because How long I'm really ago was that? I've been single since 2019. You've not dated anybody? Never, no. Nothing, not no casual, I've gone on nothing. dates. No, I've gone on dates. Um, but like I said, like I've done so much work on myself, like Tony Robbins and a lot of, you mm -hmm. know, just all the inner work and I just pick up on a lot of red flags and I'm just like you know what my mental health is a lot more important than to kind of force something mm. so did you um, did you dm me somewhere on social media in the last week I did uh, I did okay yeah so it sounds yeah, yeah 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 okay so I know who um, you are then um so you've left this late though Em. I mean like you're 39 and you're talking about family and stuff like that like are you okay with not having kids? Because there's not a yeah. lot of guys that are gonna gonna want to settle for 39. Because if they want a family, you're not gonna be able to give them that, right? You might give them one if you're lucky. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. So what's I'm the also goal? Okay with like, is the goal of kids? Is the goal of a husband? No. Like, what's the goal here? Yeah, the goal is to actually have like a healthy, very you know profound relationship with someone um i i'm not you know if it leads to marriage great but that's not really even my priority i i really just would like to have something solid what are you um, looking for like what does solid look look like for you because definitely mo monogamy um mm -hmm. good communication someone that's on his purpose working on himself you know and um understands that i'm also you know very i'm intelligent and i can help him and you know be able to kind of grow together that way um i just don't I mean, want like drama. You've, got, you've got some level of confusion there because you want a guy that has his money sorted because one of your problems was a guy that didn't have his money right he had some debt so you want a guy that's got his money sorted but then you're also talking about like characteristics and traits that guys mm -hmm. aren't really attracted to like guys don't really care about your level of intelligence you see what i'm saying like if a guy's got money yeah. he doesn't really care how smart you are 
Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, what I mean with the money situation is just someone that's not, I find that someone that is in debt and constantly is spending and being irresponsible is sort of a character thing. So I don't mind if it's someone that, um, you know, wherever he is in his journey, um, it doesn't matter where. I just, I would like a life partner by my side. Um, I just don't want the drama that comes with having someone that, you know, is yelling or just, you know what I mean? Just, just a toxic relationship. I just don't want that. What age range? And are I don't think, I don't think in? anybody, I don't think anybody wants that either. And what age range are you normally dating in? Um, I mean, ideally I would like to date someone that's in his like mid forties. I would say you're going to find a lot of divorce guys in that range with kids, right? Yeah. And that, and that's perfectly fine too. Like I wouldn't mind being, you know, a stepmother to, to a, you know, a little girl or a little boy. Like it, it, that to me, it doesn't bother me at all either. Have you ever dated a guy with kids? I did actually. And, um, it was great. You know, it was a, it was a, I loved it. Okay. And why didn't that go anywhere? long distance okay yeah but you're not really putting yourself out there though eh? i know i'm not because it's uh you know when i go out um to dinner with friends and things like that and you know people approach me all the time and i sort of you know talk to them and they're just a lot of them are interested in other things you know um i'm not i understand that like what I'm things not, like what do you mean by other things Oh, well, obviously sex, mm -hmm. you know, I can tell. And so I just, I don't want to get heartbroken. You know, I don't, I'm not that type of girl to just like. Okay. But if, you know. but if you're looking for something long-term and you want to keep your notch count low and that's important mm -hmm. to you, so why can't you just date them and say, Hey, you know, I dig your vibe. Um, but I do, I'm not going to sleep with that. you on the first date. No, I, I, I absolutely do say that. And mm -hmm. what's happening is that. Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll say exactly what I want to hear. You know, they'll kind of like stick around for three, four months. And then later is when I start to see like certain red flags. So, you know? so what do you bring to the table aside from your looks? Um, cause you're, cause you're in the fitness space, right? I'm not actually. So I, um, that's sort of like a side, um, hustle for me. Um, I love fitness. Fitness mm -hmm. is like, just, it just keeps me sane, to be honest. Um, but I'm in a dental space. So, um, I do dental sales and, you know, I, okay, hold on a sec. So if you do yeah. dental sales then you're coming across a whole bunch of very successful, um, guys in the dental space that do either dental surgery, orthodontics, dental work. Yeah, right? a lot you're of good them, looking, you're in good shape. So what's the hang up? Like, why can't you find a guy? The the majority, actually, the majority of them are married. Mm -hmm. um, and how long, uh, how long have you been doing dental? Sales? Really? I've been a dental. I'm actually um, a dental hygienist. So mm -hmm. um, I've been doing, you know, dental hygiene for about 12 years and sales about six years. So how many? Like, do you travel around a lot? Do you see a lot of these guys? It's um, face-to-face, -face, I... a conference, or 
How do you do it? Yeah, yeah. When I go to like certain, you know, events and things like that, um, like dental events, I definitely like see people. Um, sometimes, actually, most times they don't approach me for whatever reason. I mean, it's a professional setting, so mm-hmm. I can understand that. But um, yeah, but it doesn't yeah, take guess... much to just say hey and kind of flirt and talk about yeah, stuff, and then it turns into a drink, right? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but again, what I've encountered is they're either married, divorced, and they are just um, not wanting anything serious or very young, like 25, 26, which why, you know, for me, it's not, I wouldn't want someone, I wouldn't want to be long-term with someone that's 25. You might have to go a little bit older. You might have to look into the fifties though too, right? Like you can't just draw the line at 45, especially at 39. Like generally speaking, I think a 39 year old probably do well with a 50, 55 year old, right? If the guy's sorted, he's got his life together. The kids isn't really a big, big issue for you. You just want somebody that's, you know, grounded, they're together, they've got their life in order. They do interesting things or captivating, they're competent. Um, like I think the family boat for you has probably been missed unless you can find a guy that's willing to like rush into that pretty quickly, which is going to be dangerous. Like you want to avoid divorce? Well, how the hell are you going to size somebody up? How's he going to size you up? Right. I mean, like one of the things I tell guys over and over again is date somebody for at least a couple of years so you can figure out what they're made of, you know, let, let, let stress happen in the relationship, see what she's going to do, see if her words match what she says sort of thing. And that takes time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, You've got to put yourself out there more. Em. I mean, like it sounds <laughs> it sounds like you got walls built up around you from stuff that happened in your life and you're not giving yourself an opportunity to date guys. And, you know, if you keep them at arm's length just because it looks like the guy just wants to bang you right away or something like that. Well, maybe he look at the end of the day, that's what guys look at women as. You know, they look at women as as beauty objects. They look at women as sex objects. Right. So that's going to be the first thing that they're going to think is, what does she look like naked? Yeah. What is she like in the bedroom? So that's fine. But if you want to find a a guy, you got to put yourself out there. You got to put yourself in an environment and and broaden the scope. At 39, I'd be be looking at your age and older, upwards of 50, 55. There's lots of guys that are in great shape in their 50s. Yeah, yeah. You'll find them. Yeah. I mean, you have to put yourself out there. You have to expose yourself to that. And it's like, kudos you... to you for keeping your notch count low and not running around with a bunch of guys, but you're going to have to put yourself out there. You just have to like, okay, you know, if it's a first date and he says, you know, come back to my place and that's not where you want to go. You're just like, no, but I'd love to see you again. And you're just honest about it. Okay. You're about to ask me a question. Yeah. Um. So do you uh, recommend dating apps like i yeah absolutely i i really that's where guys go especially you know successful guys that don't have a lot of time is they'll just load up an app and and go and it's easy for women because all you have to do is post a couple of good pictures um and just wait for them to sort of hit on you and you're gonna get a lot of crap like you're gonna get a lot of guys that won't be your speed but that's fine you know like at some point you'll come across something that looks good and you'll go out on a date you're not using dating apps right now no, I I hate them because I them? find because I um I find that they're just um the guys are just like interested in just 
sleeping with me you know yeah. you, the, the, it well, seems they'll be promising. more forward on a dating app because they don't have anything to lose aside from maybe getting reported and banned off it or getting like a week suspension so yeah you know, where they're not going to come up to you and say you know i want to roll around with you naked you know, in real life, they might do it on a dating app. They might open with something sexual. And, and it's like, that's just how guys are. Yeah. Guys, guys look at women as beauty slash sex objects. There's no guy that will have seen you, M, and thought to themselves, I wonder what degree she has on her wall framed in mahogany. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. And I, and I understand that. Yeah. Of I definitely understand that, especially after, you know, exploring your channel and, kind of understanding what's ha really happening out there um yeah and, and that's okay and that's totally fine except that and accept that men are success objects and put yourself in front of guys that are successful and at some point something will probably come along that that's you know worthwhile you taking a look at the other thing too that i that i'd have to caution out is women have incredibly high standards for men when it comes to long-term relationships and they can often end up in a scenario that you're at right now where it's like Okay, you've gotten to 39, you've dated a few guys, some of them were losers, some of them really didn't pan out, maybe one or two of them deceived you. Oh, well, big deal, right? But yeah. here you are today, and you're still looking for love. You know, you're still looking for a guy that you can lean on, that you can rely on, that's competent, that can, you know, make you feel good about yourself sort of thing. You know, everybody's looking for that. Every, every woman, no matter how I'm so strong and independent, I, I don't need no man wants to be with a man yeah i'm definitely not like that i'm definitely not like that my Perfect. my mom was not like that my, you know nobody like the women in my family they're not like that they're very supportive towards their husbands and perfect and you know, and i mean the point that i'm making is if you want to score a goal you have to get on the ice and play the game and where yeah. most guys are playing the game is on dating apps okay which like dating app would you recommend i don't know i haven't used them in a while i would say probably bumble hinge sounds good tinder's more of a hookup so i mean if you want to avoid that then stay away from that um they probably still have those like browser-based ones still like match i would i would stay away from um what are those ones where they match you on like 67 personality traits and all that sort of stuff but you end up oh, getting matched yeah, with yeah. ugly people all the time um eHarmony or whatever they're called you know those ones yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just keep it simple and fun and use Bumble and Hinge and just download it, upload a couple of photographs. You got good photographs. Start swiping away. You're in California? Yes, I am. You're going to deal with a lot of, you know, liberal people out there that you're not going to be that attracted to. But it's like, you know, uh, digging for gold, yeah. like I've said, right? You know, you're going <laughs> to dig through a lot of gold. You're going to get a lot of skinny jeans, a lot of hair buns, a lot of that stuff. Oh, my God. You know, a lot of, let me pick you up in my Prius or my electric scooter. You're going to get that because of where you live. It's just... You know, yeah. dig through some dirt until you find the gold. Be discerning with your time and don't waste it on 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 people that don't meet your minimum requirements. But don't have exaggerated minimum requirements. Like, is height important to you? No, not How at tall all. does he have to be? He doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm five seven, so it's not got to be at least five. I, I'm I'm tall, but I understand. Like, it could be same same height or five nine, five eight. It's it's totally fine like i'm okay, literally so, looking for okay so i'm going to put something up on the screen here which is going to be useful to you to sort of understand this before we wrap up because i want to get to a few other people so i'm going to select age range of 39 your age mm -hmm. right to 55 i'm going to exclude marriage do you have any preference to race white black asian um 
No, I, I don't know. Okay. So any color shade we're going to go with minimum height, we're going to say taller than you. So we're going to go five, nine. Are you okay with fat guys? Um, so that, that is where I sort of, um, draw the line. It's not that I'm drawing the line is that I'm, I'm fitness is literally like my, Got it. you don't have to sell life. it to me. You don't have yeah. To sell it to like me. I, I okay. really value that. So okay. and minimum income, fine. how much, how much money did they have to make? What would be the minimum for you? Um, I don't know. We, I live in California. So what is it? Maybe 70, 70,000 is enough. Yeah, I mean, for me, it doesn't matter either, to be honest. Okay, so let's say 70,000. So, yeah, they make 70 grand. Not married, any race, at least five foot nine, not obese, or earning $70,000 a year. The probability of, of you finding that is going to be 2.1% based on statistical data that's available in the US. Okay. Okay. So it's a low probability. I mean, yeah. you can, you can open that up a little bit more by lowering the income and uh, maybe lowering the height. Maybe they're the same height as you. Maybe they're a little bit shorter than you. Right. But mm -hmm. that is, but that is what you're dealing with, you know, at uh, yeah. your stage in life. And you have to keep in mind, like a lot of those guys, if they're in good shape and they make good money, they're probably, and I'm just going to say this, they're probably not interested in a 39 year old. They're probably interested in younger, but there are guys in that dating realm that do prefer women their age, right? So yeah. you got a little bit of, you know, like the probability of, of this happening is not high, but it still exists. Yeah. It probably means that you're gonna have to lower your standards a little bit. Like you might end up with a guy that's got his money sorted. He doesn't have baggage, but maybe he's five foot six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I See understand. What I'm mm -hmm. Does that help? It does. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Let's see who else we got here in the house. Uh, let's give it to Victor. Victor, buddy, what's up? Oh, hang on. I hey, gotta, Rich. I got to remove that one. There we go. How you doing? Can man? you hear me? Yeah. Uh, doing great. Just finished work a couple hours ago, waiting for your show to start. Uh, financial question. Uh, you, yes. you have been talking a lot about uh, London. .io, yeah, they don't do interest anymore. I had to uh, move my holdings off there. Oh, okay. Because I was curious, like, how you can borrow money and, you know, not get screwed by net paying taxes. Like, I totally understand that's the way of... Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't do the, the interest-bearing accounts for uh, Bitcoin and USDC anymore. They used to pay 8% on USDC. Um, mm -hmm. And you know what happened with USDC. So it looks like they saw the writing on the wall and they got out of that. And they were paying really good interest when they first open it up, like 6% even higher on any balance with Bitcoin. And then they pulled it back to like, you know, half a Bitcoin, then a 10th of a Bitcoin. And now they just don't pay any interest at all. So I don't use them. I think they still do loans. I think they're just restructuring the business. Um, but are you talking about where to stake crypto to earn interest? Well, just ideas that you can borrow and like ideas that Kawasaki was talking about, like borrow oh, yeah. money and not pay pay taxes. That's basically what I'm looking for. Yeah, but, but the I'm way that Kiyosaki know... does that, like you have to understand it's different in the States than what it is in Canada. Like the way that Kiyosaki makes his money and he doesn't pay taxes on that is he's buying low income housing and he's using borrowed money to buy that. 
and the way that it's entirely structured. And he's got videos out there. He's got uh, Kenny McElroy and one other guy. I can't remember his name right now. But they've broken down the strategy on how that works in the States. So you can do that down there, but that doesn't work in Canada. Yeah, no, I understand. But I'm talking about like a crypto, uh, how you can do it with crypto, right? That's basically I, what I, I don't curious. know. <laughs> I don't know that I would be borrowing to buy crypto at 30000 because like I said earlier, we're we're going to have another correction or there's a strong pub, pub, uh, possibility, it seems that there's going to be another correction coming in the markets, which means crypto is going to take a bit of a dive, which means cool, you know, sit on some stable coins or some dry powder and buy when it, you know, when it dives. So I wouldn't be borrowing money to buy crypto right now. I, I'd be, I mean, I would have borrowed money to buy crypto at, you know, 13, 14, 15,000, but not at 30,000, you know, with a chance of a strong correction. Yeah, I probably, I'm sorry, I, I was talking about staking, like to give them Bitcoin and get loan, right? That's what I was saying. Uh, it's, like, it's, too, that's, that's what... it's too risky um, to, it's too risky in my opinion to stake mm -hmm. and then borrow against it. Like the 2X program that London used to run. I don't know if they still run it uh, or sorry, I don't know if they still run it, but Again, we have a correction coming, or it seems that it's coming at thirty thousand dollars. We've seen yeah. it drop down to twelve thousand or, or so in the last uh, well since the start of the year. Anyway, it's been all over the place. I would not. Yeah, I mean Jerry's in the chat. Don't give anybody your Bitcoin. Self custody is the only way. Only do it if if it's if it's opportune. Like if you see this as a clear bottom, or that we've bounced off a bottom and it looks like that you know there's nothing but upside because the corrections already happened that's the only time that i would do it but i wouldn't be giving anybody your bitcoin i wouldn't be borrowing against it right now mm. i wouldn't give that advice at all okay and uh, last question book recommendation on just uh, any any book anything? you listen listen, listen. Um, i know you listen by back your time I already have it on audible i'm gonna listen it the next week yeah that's more for entrepreneurs which is yeah. you know which is up your alley so buy back your time is probably a good book um i don't know what i usually do is i just go on twitter or something like that and i say hey i've got a couple audible credits you know what have you listened to lately that's blown you away um i can't think of anything that i would recommend aside from the stuff that i talk about constantly i mean there there's there's my second book that's coming out later on this year um economics books that i've talked about have you read economics in one lesson by henry Hazlitt? uh long time ago okay. but it was audiobook in it's, library <laughs> it's worth it's worth going through again i think it's got mm -hmm. you know the fundamentals and the basics of stuff like that yeah cool. sounds good yeah and uh quick quick question a lot of people was asking in the, our entrepreneur group uh, yeah. about the last date stuff because it's half as month uh april it's sunday 30th so second yeah it's gonna be um Probably the thirtieth and the first. You know what? I'll I'll, uh, I'll post it in the Facebook group just to confirm it. Um, tag me in those posts just so I see them. Because if you don't tag me, then I don't see them. But I'll definitely make an announcement there. Yeah, I think. Uh, gosh, what's his name? He tagged you and write it down because we was waiting. For, like somebody was waiting yesterday, and I was waiting today. Oh really? No, I think. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so we was a bit confused. What? Uh, how Are you they found? not sending me notifications? William Cooks, you like your photo uh just hanging. oh okay somebody posted yeah six hours ago so i just see it now yeah i'll take a look at it and i'll uh respond for you guys awesome Thanks. thank you very much Thanks, Victor. see you guys all right um 
what what Victor's asking about is the School of Entrepreneurship because we do a monthly Zoom call and it's the last uh, Sunday, Monday of the month. So it's, it's, it's kind of a half day because the 30th falls on a Sunday and the Monday is the uh, next month. Anyway, um, the School of Entrepreneurship is going to open back up for enrollment on May the 1st. So if you're on my email list, you'll get the notification for that. A lot of people have asked me when that opens back up. Um, let me throw my email list down here, which is... There you go. You can get the red flag chapter by opting that into. All right. Uh, let's give it to Chase here. See what he's got for us. Chase, what's up, buddy? LTRs? Yeah. Hey, Rich. How's it going? Um, this is actually one of my first times calling in. So thanks for having me. All I right. uh, actually got just finished tonight? your book the other night. Great read. Um, I've also read like The Art of Seduction, uh, a bunch of stuff by Mark Manson. Um, okay. 25 years old, live in like the southern US, and really wanted to get your thoughts on uh, LTRs and if they really kind of make sense for someone that's 25. Um, and reason I'm not sharing my video, I would love to share numbers about income, I all that stuff, um, just to kind of give you an idea of where I'm at and you know what I should be looking for in this point in my life. Um, so you're 25, why are you asking about a long-term relationship because the general advice that I've always given is if in your 20s you should be building your life up setting the foundation for yourself LTR unless it's a real good compliment to your life should probably general generally just be avoided you know for the most part yeah because like my whole thing is like I used to live in New York City and uh was very much so into one night stands hookups mm. very short-term things and I did that for you know like three or four years um I, I used to DJ up there and, and with that comes the status. And so you get a lot of attention doing that. And, mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong, I definitely had my fun doing that. Um, my challenge with that is that it's just, I don't know, it just got old and tiring for me. I, I don't really know how else to say it. Um, how, much, really had, how much money did you make last year? Uh, so last year, just over six figures. Okay. This year, I'll do uh, somewhere between 125 and 150 in total comp. Okay. Um, so you're, so you're off to a good start. Is that going to multiply so you can get into seven figures in the next five, 10 years? Um, I could, I, I work in tech, right? And so if I did work for one of the big tech companies, I could see, you know, north of 400K total comp, maybe the 750 total comp. Uh, okay. If I did pivot and go that route within the next five to 10 years. Or you want to have children? Route. No children, um, not necessarily a priority for me at this point, but I'm okay. not opposed to it. Are you open to children in the future? Open to it, yeah, but definitely not a priority. So, look, I mean, if you want to start dealing with long-term relationships, it sounds like you've had some short terms. So you should have your head around what women typically respond to. You've read some good books. Uh, you've obviously followed my channel, so that's a good choice. Have you read my book? Yep, yep. I actually just finished it the other day. Cool. Um, by the way, do me a solid. If you got value out of the book, I'm saying this to everybody, please go to Amazon and leave a review and just let guys know what you got out of it. Um, you don't need anybody's permission to get into a long-term relationship with a woman. The thing that you have to do though, is that if you're going to invite a woman into your life on a long-term basis and you're going to introduce her to family and you're going to do things with her and hang out and take vacations and stuff like that, you want to make sure she's a good compliment to your life. So it's not that much different from dating or doing anything short term. It's just, okay, now you're going to be open to the idea of 
Um, you know, is this the kind of chick that can take care of me if I get sick? Is this the kind of chick that I can, um, you know, when she's coming over, I've had a busy day, I'm chasing excellence, putting a dent in the universe and my dry cleaning needs to get picked up and I can get her to grab it for me on the way over sort of thing. Is this the kind of woman that's going to add some value to my life and be a compliment to it, to it sort of thing? And if kids are something that you might look at later on down the road, are you going to, um, you know, turn it into mother stock sort of stuff? So it's just vetting. It's just dating. So you're going to date a few of them simultaneously. You're going to see what they're made of. You're going to see how they respond to your boundaries. You're going to see how they deal with the word no. You know, you're going to see what they use their social media for, whether they use it to solicit attention or if they're completely private or not even on social media. You know, you're going to see how they deal with, um, you know, I like you, Becky, but I don't date women or I don't take women seriously that go to Vegas for, you know, weekends and girls nights out and, you know, stuff like that. So these are all the things that you kind of have to put yourself through because that's that's what it takes to get into an LTR, really, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one thing that I look for, and I know you mentioned this in your book, and you've talked a lot of, a lot about it on your channel, is you know the the, the boss girl, right? Yeah. The boss at work, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I'm very much so attracted to that type of of woman, someone mm. who has her career together, someone who is in, um, you know, in a field like medicine. Have you ever dated law. one of these boss girls? Uh, about three months, I dated one of these boss women, just yeah. got out of it. I'm actually going on dates with another woman, kind of in the same field, in the yeah. middle field. Why did it not work out with the boss girl that you dated for three months? Yeah, so I, basically, betadization. Um, mm. She's one of the most intelligent people in, in their 20s I've ever met. Um, got betatized, tried to put my foot down, and she wasn't having it, and so we went our separate ways. Yeah, you're going to get that, man. Um, I get it. Like I was, I was the same in my twenties and I'll tell you now at my age, I don't want bullshit. You know, when I come home, I don't want to deal with, you know, I'm, I'm cooler than you or I, or I can compete against you. I'm not dealing with that. So it gets old after a while. Like my ex-wife was a lawyer and I dated a lot of really successful women. Um, you know, around that time too, like I dated, uh, professional opera singer i dated accountants i dated dentist like people with professional designations and it's always the same they 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 want a strong virtuous man they want a man that can lead they want a competent guy they're generally looking for their equal right but they also end up trying to run you and i don't think they do it intentionally and not all of them will do this but a lot of them do but you know they try to run you you know they try to tell you how to do everything in your life and in your household and that gets old pretty quick and if you try to put your foot down a lot of them don't like it so you're going to find yourself churning through a lot of these boss gals right um so it's just a numbers game again i mean if you're attracted to the boss girl that's got her shit together the cool the cool thing about that there is an advantage to it because if you because if you get involved with a woman and you decide to have kids with her and she's got her life sorted you know she's 32 something like that like don't don't wait till later on in life like if you want to have kids do it do it with a woman that's younger obviously you know i've talked about this before but if she's willing to enter your frame and she's got her money sorted and she takes a couple years off to have the the kids she's probably not going to be that big of an issue as far as dealing with your assets if you have to untie the knot because she's going to be making about the same money as you I agree. And that's actually one of the things that I find most attractive about dating someone like that is it from the divorce perspective, right? It's Yeah, but that's not an attractive quality in women that you're not going to get fucked when you get 
divorced, is it though? Like that's not a truthful, attractive quality that most men find in women. It's like, oh, she's, you know, she's got her life sorted and she's good looking. I probably won't get fucked if I get divorced because we make about the same money. Like that's not what you're looking at. Like you're not attracted to that. You just like the idea that it's a bit of a, a security blanket if you have to untie the knot, right? No, that's a good point. So just look, man, like at the end of the day, if, you know, you've, you know, if you've had your fun, you've been the player, like you figured out what women are about, you know, you know what you will and won't tolerate. It's again, it's just a numbers game, you know, for guys, it's just, you know, play the numbers, date a few women simultaneously, let the cream rise to the top. And if, you know, the cream rises to the top and she's like, Chase, where do we stand? You know, we've been dating for a few months, whatever. I don't want to share you, you know, whatever they're story happens to be at that time, then you at that time can make the decision if you want to invite her into your life and have a relationship or potential kids with her or whatever, right? Where do you live? You live in the States? Yeah, uh, Southern US. So luckily in a place where there are women that are looking for more long-term versus short-term yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Well, you know, congratulations, Chase. I mean, you're at a good time in your life. You got your head squared away. You're young. You've, you know, you know the, you know the content and it just seems like you've got to move to another stage of your life where it's like LTR time. And it's like, look, dude, the thing with long-term relationships is if you're going to abandon variety and having other women in your life, she better be a compliment to your life, especially if, if, if she's one of these chicks that demands monogamy, you know, from you, uh, make sure it's not a demand that you're fulfilling, make sure it's a choice that you're making. But at the same time, dude, she better worship the ground that you walk on if you're the kind of guy that you say that you are in the direction that you're going, don't take bullshit from anybody. Yeah, no, I agree. I appreciate it, Rich. All right, my man. Thanks for hopping in, man. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, I'm going to go to the private chat. I've got time for probably one or two more. Uh, Josh Motherstock. He's talking about, I want to piggyback off what you and Drew talk. Okay, so let's talk to James. He wanted to talk about the new... Oh, James is gone. Okay. Guys, we can't pull you in if you don't wait your turn. <laughs> uh, trying to look through if you try... All right, let's give it to Josh here. Let's see what he's got for us. Josh, what do you got for me, buddy? What's up, Richard? Good. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on, like, buying physical media in this day of age, you know, like not just like books, like movies, like what's your stance on that? Buying physical media. Are you yes. talking like from an investment perspective or? Like personal use and investment. Well, if it's an investment, then it has to become rare in the future. So what media can you buy that won't be available or will become rare in the future i mean the thing with media is is, it, is it's digital now i mean it can be digitized yeah. so anybody can store it anybody can put it on their computer they can burn it into a yep. dvd or something so it's kind of hard to find ways to profit from that it's really just i like james bond movies so i have the james bond collection i enjoyed the sopranos i have the box set like is that what you're talking about yeah, like if you've got like a like a limited edition, let's say, I don't know, let's say 10 years from now, there's a limited edition Dragon Ball Z box set. Mm -hmm. And then 
the next 10 years now, it's like worth, I don't know, thousands of pounds. Well, I I hope you can make that bet because that's going to be a hard one to, to bet on, right? Because it's, cause mm. it's, again, it's, it's any content, any media, video, audio, even books can be digitized. So mm. how, how do you create scarcity how do you create an increase in value in it mm -hmm. that's why comic books go up in value because they print they yep. put them in their little plastic cases and then people keep them there's comic books that are legitimately yeah. worth like 15 20 million dollars i think isn't there but th yeah. that that doesn't really exist today now with digital mm. media because everything can be digitized yeah so you, can literally just go on, you can literally just go on online website just download whatever episode you want right so does it seem like a good play from a investment nah. perspective unless it's something hard you know like a box set limited edition leather bound something like yeah. that like i was thinking about doing a leather bound edition of the unplugged alpha once i do the first edition update because i'm just going to update it and i'm going to leave it alone and i might have like a leather bound edition with gold leaf around it like something nice because people have asked me about that like that might be something that I might do for the book, but is there anything else out there that I don't know? Robert Green did, for example, maybe like a limited edition leather, but like you know something like that where mm. it's like the Bible could, or something. Yeah, yeah, and also like some of these box sets also come with a. It might come with something that you can't get. Potentially, yeah, yeah. You can you can put on eBay and charge or yeah, auction. It's, yeah, it's got to be print, man. It's got to be print. It's got to be something mm. hard records um box sets, something like that anyway it's a bit of a stretch but yeah it's a good question all right cool thanks josh no See worries bye all right uh let's do one more james wanted to talk about uh nuclear and the gamma thing james what's up buddy hey what's going on good man which question so <clears throat> i heard uh you know I, I tuned in right as you were talking about that uh conversation with George Gammon and yeah. about nuclear and the thing with nuclear is it, it, it really is an opportunity that's, that's upcoming, mm -hmm. but the biggest thing that I think everybody should probably understand is when you, when you mention nuclear as the future as from an investment perspective, it's not the utilities that you want to look at because you, you look at, for example, Bogtol, that reactor in, uh, Augusta, Georgia, that that plant is $16 billion over budget, and it's like 10 years overdue. Yeah, I think Gamma's strategy is around like uranium stocks or, exactly. or raw material. Yeah, right? Yep, that's exactly where it's at. Because if you look back around 2007, uh, that's when the last fuel cycle, long-term contracting had happened, and there was a tight supply uh, Cigar Lake, which is Cameco's, was their latest mine that flooded and mm -hmm. it sent the market into a panic. And the long story short with that was they started throwing money at it just to secure the fuel because they were afraid they weren't going to be able to get any. The thing is, though, is there was there was always enough fuel for everybody, but we're actually in such a tight supply right now that um it's 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 way tighter than it ever was in 07 
and you've got the Chinese that are building reactors every single, you know, they're, they're putting mm-hmm. out like 50 reactors in the next five years, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you just had a big agreement in uh, with the G7 where they're talking so about trying you... to ice out Russia. Yeah, so what would be your recommendation for companies' stocks to perhaps look at at this point? Global Atomic, uh, tickers GLATF, Denison Mines, DNN, um, Cameco's obviously the the Bellwether, that's um, CCJ. Those are all NYSE uh, tickers. But there's a lot of these companies, but you really got to do your research on what you're buying because you could get you you could get you could lose some money buying the wrong company so i would suggest anybody look into looking look it up on twitter there's a lot of people to follow like john quakes the uranium insider mm-hmm. there's of course mike alkin he's one to look up he's got some interviews on uh youtube and good there you go guys yeah, i just want there's to some, there's some good tips line. on that um on that topic of potential upside with nuclear thanks james yep Appreciate it, man. Take care. Bye. All right. I'm going to do one more real quick. Um, Got a guy from Argentina that's been balling to get on for a while. So let me put him on here. How you doing, my man? Lost in life. Bati. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I was in the podcast like five podcasts ago. Like Mm. you remember I was talking. I'll give you a quick update because it's not the thing I want to treat. Uh, You recommend me, uh, Trey Francis, to start dating. Yeah. And I tell you about the coach and you didn't recommend me to do that, but I trust myself and I go for it. And now I know how to approach girls and I feel more confidence about them. Okay. So what's your question tonight? Uh, I've been, uh, the first thing is that I've been unplugged by you in a long time ago, then by Robert Kiyosaki, then by uh, a lot of young entrepreneurs. But lastly, uh, recently I got unplugged by Luke Belmar about a lot of lights from society, like uh, how you, you should uh, buy, uh, think uh, something is expensive uh, or cheap based on your time and resource. Uh, the World Economic Forum that uh, is a lie, lies about uh, the war, the, se- the second war. I have to question that, but mm-hmm. um, there are, it's a lot of information and I, it blew my mind and I and I know how to continue my life. Like <laughs> after today. Well, you put over here in the chat, in the private chat, that you have an ex, existential crisis around all this new information. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's Dude, welcome deep. to the real world. <laughs> how old are you? Uh, 20. 20. So you're a young man and you live in Argentina. But the thing is, I'm thinking about taking a step back because I'm, I'm in college. I was getting into entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. uh, but these things, uh, I started to question myself why, because I was planning a lot, but not doing things. And I would plan and write it and look, look, Belmar, you just, that you're just scratching the surface of what, of what the world's really like. So the follow up to all of this, now that you've, okay, you've checked all these things out, you know, you, you're starting to unplug from the matrix as you know, we like to call it. Now it's asking more questions. It's like, why, why, why do we do it that way? Why is it that they would want me to do it that way? Why does the government want me to do this? Why does my whatever want things done that way? Right. It's just asking why it's why, 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 
why right and and then that follow-up question after that is okay well how does this serve me how does this align with the kind of man that i want to become right if yes you know if 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 family or your church for example says something like you need to marry that girl over there and you're going to have children with her and you need to do it right now in the next six months and you look at her and she's completely not your type and it's just encased in religious cultural family values you'd be like okay why i don't need to do that i have other plans i have bigger plans right or they tell you to go get the government job why i have other plans i have bigger plans i'm going to be an entrepreneur i'm, I'm going to look at you know to solve bigger problems and things that I'm interested in. You don't have to do what people, culture, society, government, everybody tells you to do. That's just what you're figuring out now. And yeah. you don't need my permission, some Canadian guy 7,000 miles away on the other side of the equator telling you, you know, what you can and can't do. It's just taking ownership now for all of these thoughts and views and opinions that you're starting to develop about the way the world really works and what people really respond to and what women really are about and how business is really transacted and how the rich people actually make money. You know, next week's show is going to be about how to make money. I'll talk about that next week. Right. But okay. you get what I'm saying. It's just, it's just, you don't have an existential crisis. You've just unplugged from some lies and now it's time for you to start looking around and, you know, looking for better ways of doing things. Now it's just applying yeah, yeah. it to life. But the thing is that I implied, um, let's say after this change, I think about my old self and my new self. And it's something like you read uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking something like that, like the old self versus the new self who's taking mm -hmm. control of my mind and who's saying Everybody's going to push like, back, man. Your family's going to push back. Your friends will push back. People will push back. They're going to say, oh, you can't do it that way. Or that's not right. Or yeah, why are you that, being so that's selfish? What's so what? But I'm 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 listening to my to my gut, like what what you would you in your book would you would you rather trade places with a guy like Robert Kiyosaki and live his life, or trade places with a guy that's telling you not to do what Kiyosaki did, for example? Kiyosaki, hundred percent. Yeah. So don't take advice from people that you wouldn't trade lives with. Yeah, but that's that's not the the real. I that's part of the question, but the question is, I don't know when I'm thinking if I'm thinking with the old self or the new self because I want to stop a university, stop entrepreneurship and find my inner self because there's something I'm doubting. And I think once I uh, solve that, mm -hmm. I can uh, define goals, I think some start of it's, planning and executing. Yeah, I think some of it's getting lost in translation and you're, and you're running ahead of yourself a little bit here. You don't have to completely change everything that you do. Right. Very new to all of this. I remember you called called in a couple months ago or in, in you know recent past talking about pickup and stuff like that and and, and girls and that's when we talked about Francis's uh, material. But take it easy, man. Take it easy. You don't okay. have to go and leave. You don't have to you know tell tell your parents to pound sand or or call them peasants. Like okay, you're, yeah, they, you're, you're like. Right. You know, the fact that you call your parents peasants in the private chat here is somewhat concerning. They may not be as unplugged as you have become, but they may not necessarily be peasants either. They're still your parents, right? Okay. Yeah, so right. they still have goodwill for you. They still want what's best for you. It's just they only think about what they know. 
and you know the beliefs that they've operated within which are of course going to be limiting because you find them limiting now and that's fine yeah but if you can you know but if you can do what it is that you hope to do and you can one day you know buy them a house or buy them a car or pay off their mortgage they're never going to bother you again that's one of my my dreams so that I, I work so work towards doing that and being that guy is what i'm saying you know just okay. and, it, and it doesn't have to happen overnight you know just take a look yeah. around ask questions maybe if you're in a program in university that's not aligned with where you want to go you might want to change the program maybe it's worthwhile not doing the program and going to do something else and finding a mentor there's different ways that you can do it no i think i'm in the right path of finance and entrepreneurship but it's something that it doesn't lock in and i want to look for that thing that it doesn't like uh, put the pieces together. Well, and I'll I tell you this, my friend. Right when it when it comes to you, it'll be like taking a frying pan to the forehead. It's going to be like and taking a whack to the forehead, it, and you'll know it when it hits you. It's already happening. I, okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks for hopping in. Thanks Talk for later. All right, we're going to wrap it up on that note. Guys, uh, I'll be back next Monday to do another podcast on the topic of money. It'll be the last one in a series of three. This one will be on uh, how to make money, which is always a big question for everybody. How do you make money? How do you create wealth? That sort of stuff. So I'll deal with that next Monday night at 8 p.m. We'll do the call-in segment as we always do. It's open to everybody. Um, so we'll see you guys in the next show. Make sure you leave a thumbs up and a comment in the video. Thanks so much. All right, guys. If you enjoyed that podcast, make sure you visit my website at richcooper.ca to learn more about my courses, my book, The Unplugged Alpha Community, or booking me for private coaching. Also, if you are a Canadian with $15,000 or more of credit card debt and what you are doing right now isn't paying off the balances, then visit totaldebtfreedom.ca and hit get a free quote to see if you qualify to settle your credit card debt for less than you owe today over the next 48 months. Make sure you check out the top pinned comment on YouTube for all the links mentioned during the show. Peace.